Today, break out the cake, light up the candles. It is time to celebrate. This is episode 350 of Observations, and we are celebrating in style a double supersized extravaganza, just like the ones in comic books when they hit big anniversary marks. This one's so big, we're breaking it up into multiple pieces. Today, we're still on the X-Men, and we're going to get back to the X-Men animated series, but we are having the great Wolverine debate. We are going to celebrate uh, creator authorship, and I'm going to give you all manner of insights into just how popular Wolverine was when he first rocked the scene. We're going to do it all today with big smiles on an all-new episode of Observations. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. What we do here is we do lots of observing. We observe through my eyes, Rob, and we talk about comic books and superheroes. And today is an episode like no other. It is a very special episode. It is our 350th episode, our 350th episode. Okay, 350th, however you want to say it, 350, that is the number we are ringing the bell with today. It is jam-packed. It is supersized. I always wanted to do like a extra bonus size, spectacular 350th uh, issue, you know, anniversary bonanza. And that's what we're doing here. We have stuffed it. It's going to be a little longer. It's going to be a little bigger. Uh, we're going to continue on discussing the X-Men animated series and and how that that show had to fight to to be the monster breakout success that it was and then obviously follow you know what happened next and and how it just exploded and became one of the best most celebrated most popular animated comic book series ever but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cover a, a little more ground here today as and and i can't think of anything more exciting to cover staying on theme with the x-men than than my favorite comic book character of all time wolverine so before we get down to all of that i just have to pump the brakes i just have to stop and say what is up with 350 episodes thank you they exist only because you told me life will get back on that mic life will keep going see every day i gotta hit my marks with my deadlines i'm always jumbling uh way too many hats for 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 uh for my age <laughs> for my condition uh in in recent years uh you, you might have gotten a gi joe uh miniseries snake eyes we broke out i even got an action figure out of snake eyes dead game uh, hasbro made a special snake eyes dead game i did i did a five-part miniseries and then we did a kind of a a breakdown of the special fifth issue we did a, we, we did a special one shot so I did that prior to that. I, I introduced a brand new character into the Marvel Universe that I was meant to introduce 30 years prior, Major X. Uh, prior to that, the number one best-selling 100-page uh, graphic novel, only time Deadpool has ever charted number one, Deadpool Bad Blood. Prior to that, I was doing some uh, Blood Strikes. Prior to that, I was doing Deadpool Core. I mean, the, 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 just from the 2010s on, I have been so busy since the... Snake Eyes, the G.I. Joe Snake Eyes Dead Game. Uh, 
30, 30 anniversary covers. It ended up being even more uh, some fun stories along the way. Some of those stories were misplaced on different books and had to be uh, re-dressed re up and, and re-configured. Uh, uh, but but 30 celebra celebratory issues for Deadpool, uh, a, a Deadpool special, an X-Force special, the sequel to Deadpool, Bad Blood, Deadpool, Batter Blood, an Archie comic called The Shield. I'm forgetting some stuff, all manner of, literally, uh, what I'm leaving out is hundreds of comic book covers. Here in 2024, Thundercats. These covers have just exploded, and that's because of you, all because of you. You guys decided that you enjoyed uh, my depiction of Lion-O and, 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 and the Thundercats, and you guys showed up in big numbers, and I was able to uh, be a part of the team that brought Thundercats to life to you at your retail outlet. Those covers sold out. They're going back to press. You should be getting the second uh, edition of, of, of Thundercats anytime soon. Currently, I'm doing my last uh, Deadpool story. I, I, I guess I really haven't spoken. Yeah, I did. I did speak about my, my retirement and, and uh, on, on Deadpool and haven't, haven't just uh, have said enough and going to be wrapping it up with the, these last few projects and those are going to be coming out your way. Uh, in the meantime, I, I did my own comic, kind of on the on the side, on the on on on, and, and and you know dropped it to you on the fly called the Last Blood. Rob Liefeld's The Last Blood, twenty eight brand new pages, full color, uh, with with many characters that you have loved uh, over the years that that came in my early Image Comics days when I was partnered with my uh, my, my 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 fellow Image comic founders, and we just blew up the joint. We blew up comics, introducing you to Image Comics. What I'm trying to say here is. I'm busy. Holy crap, am I busy? I am drawing uh, uh, a comic page every day, possibly two. I have to. I have to keep uh, keep on my marks, uh, stay the course. And so today, I am coming to you having freshly scanned, sent, given notes uh, on, on the latest page, received uh, colored images of other pages, have 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 sent new notes out on those to 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 tweak some parts of the image. I am always in constant contact with my colorist. All my entire Team, I'm having to bring on some people to help ink me and get these the, the, these pages out, get this work out. But it is a great pleasure to carve out that time, come here and talk comics with you. And because we have had such a rousing good time discussing comics, and because you have shared with me uh, that this show actually has informed and and has expanded your knowledge of comics, that just thrills me. It wasn't meant to do that, but uh, one of my former uh, editors that I worked with, Gregory Wright. Hi, Gregory. Sometimes you listen, sometimes you don't. I don't know, I don't know if you'll hear this, but but as he said, I bring all the receipts. Rob has more receipts than anybody in comics, and and it part part my my side uh, identity as a as a hoarder and never wanting to throw things away, including faxes. And and, and an entire generation has found out about a fax. Someone when I showed. Uh, sketches of Deadpool recently, my original sketches of Deadpool, they said, why does it say attention Bob Harris at the top? Like, what? why is it there if you're sending it to them? I'm like, oh, that's because they were faxed to a master fax machine at Marvel Comics. They only had one and you had to put attention to whatever editor it was going to. They would then, you know, tear off those faxes, then deliver them to the offices. It is, we are super analog, super old school. There was no email when, when I was doing New Mutants, X-Force, none of that existed. We didn't text. You, you got out your, your rotary phone, you dialed, you left a message, you hoped to be called back. And then again, Jim Lee and I 
because we were early to the fax technology, learned, oh my gosh, this is so much more informative and such a better way to kind of cut, you know, skip steps. I can get, I can get layouts approved via fax. I can get a cover sketch approved via fax. I can communicate my ideas, my character sketches through fax. Then, then when you wanted to do a color map mock-up of that stuff, you would throw it in with your pages because all original art had to go straight to the office for them to then distribute to, to where it was going next, whether it was an inker or if you ink the pages yourself, as I did, to the colorist or to the letterer or to somebody else on the chain as we continue to make and produce comic books. Fax machines. Attention, Bob Harris. It's there so that, so that it could be dispersed to all of the different offices. And, and so, you know, it, it just, it just it, it's, it's so fun to be able to go behind the curtain and show you the inner workings of comic books as, as far back as 1986, 87, when I first started drawing them and getting paid to draw them, whether they were pinups, whether they were covers, uh, whatever uh, short stories. I was in the business. I was paying my rent. I was making my way and telling you about that history of comics from the magazines, the interviews, uh, the faxes, the memos that, 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 that I've been able to share with you uh, has been just an absolute pleasure. And occasionally, if you follow me on any of my social media platforms, I accompany those. Uh, I won't just talk about a memo. I'll show you a memo. When the publisher of Marvel writes you a, a memo saying that the 300,000 copies of, of Captain America number four are not what they expected and leaves out, even though prior to you coming on Heroes Reborn, it was selling 20,000 copies, Captain America was, uh, I can read that stuff to you. I can share that stuff with you. That, that was a fax memo that I happened to keep. You know what they used to say also is those faxes are going to deteriorate. They're on wax paper that's, that, 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 that's not going to go the long run. Well, my wax paper uh, is still solid and has not yet deteriorated. And that is why I've been able to bring them to you over the course of 350 uh, episodes of Raw Observations where really we are here to celebrate comic books and celebrate comic book creators. And I have uh, just had to dig deep to keep this show fresh and keep trying and, and, and not be monotonous and repetitive and, and, and lose sight of why this show exists, which is to inform. And along those lines, what we're going to do today, we're going to inform. We are going to talk about uh, basically character creation. What I believe is, is, a, is a term that I'm, I'm calling the credit robbers. The credit robbers. I've seen it over the last 15 years. What that implies, credit robbing, is people who want to assign, revise, put other names into uh, a singular work, maybe 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 a a, a, a limited uh, custody chain on a creation, and then just start spinning it, expanding it, putting more people into the equation that don't belong there. This is not something that I have noticed myself alone. Uh, other authors, uh, David Michelini, Tony Isabella, before he passed Len Wein, uh, th- th- this was stuff that people would talk about. And, and uh, hey, J- Jim Starlin could also weigh in, weigh in on this as well. So could, in so many instances, somebody like a Roy Thomas. But what, what, what happens is, and, I, and I, I first saw it with my nephew, with members of my family, who were just starting to try and accelerate their knowledge of 
comic books and comic book history because they wanted to be part of all the conversations that were coming out around the Marvel superhero movies. And they would click on an ill-informed, you know, information page and get what they thought was credible information until they walked into the house of their uncle or cousin who just so happened to have been making these comics for at the time greater than 40 years. And uh, I'm sorry, at, at the time greater than 30 years. And I'm like, wait, that's not how that character came to be. That's not this. That's because there is this giant revisionist movement. Now, I have my opinions as to why it's happening. Uh, I, I have seen it with this. I think it's the last two generations. Uh, nobody wants to give credit to any, any singular uh, being, being or entity. And, I, and, and that means sports figures. That means actors. That means musicians. It always has to be somebody else behind the scenes, somebody else behind the scenes, pulling the strings, manipulating, uh, inspiring. When it's not, sometimes it just is singular creation taking hold and giving you something that you love. But people want to put as many uh, different voices onto something because then that then it truly makes the original contributions less special. And I think it makes people feel better. If it could be done by committee, then it feels better than saying this singular person. Hopefully, I'll, I'll circle back to this. But I was there sitting next to no less than a buddy of mine who many of you know, rock and roll star from, from uh, you know, came to fame on American Idol, but then carved out this incredible rock and roll uh, history, success, albums for himself. Chris Daughtry, also, you know, known to many of you as just Daughtry. We were attending the debut, the premiere, the, the actual worldwide premiere of uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens in, in 2015. And before the movie started, Bob Iger singled out George Lucas and asked George Lucas to stand up so that we could all acknowledge George Lucas for his vision. He didn't ask George and his cinematographer and the direct, and Irving Kirshner, who obviously couldn't be there because he was dead. Uh, 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 and, and any of the other people along the way, he didn't ask the people who they had hired to write the Mandalorian or the book of Boba Fett to stand alongside. It was just George where, where, where it belonged, exactly where it belonged. George Lucas created Star Wars. He envisioned all of it. Now, you know, when he made Yoda, did he go and did he consult with, with Frank Oz and they developed the voice together? Sure. Great. Still, all of it originated with George Lucas. To to it, it was one of the most clear cut like just pin it where it belongs, and and it wasn't it wasn't let's celebrate a committee. Steven Spielberg was seated and his wife were seated next to George Lucas that night, and Chris and I were just one couple couple rows over uh, and below. So we were looking up as George humbly stood up, accepted the applause of J.J. Abrams and the entire cast that was assembled on the stage that they had you know called forth. Uh, and, and Steven Spielberg was so proud of his friend, just clapping there, so proud of his friend. But it was George. It belonged with George, not a committee. And, 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 and if I somehow don't circle back to that, I, I really, the point has been made. You know, in the years since, do, do, do we credit the people who wrote the book of Boba Fett with somehow, you know, altering Boba Fett in my mind? No, don't do that. Boba Fett was cool when Boba Fett appeared, full stop, end of story. You know, uh, 
Darth Vader was cool when Darth Vader appeared. Full stop. End of story. Somebody can write a novel about Darth Vader and his vision quest and, and whatever else happened on the side, but that doesn't change the fact that when he walked through the, 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 the halls of the rebel ship after boarding it in the opening scrawl of Star Wars, that Darth Vader wasn't a man in full right there, a character that I was intrigued by, terrified by, and, and, and completely enamored by. As, as a nine-year-old boy in the summer of 1977. And nothing that you are going to add or take away from his character at any point is going to change the fact that that's, that's when Darth Vader was Darth Vader, right there. Right then, right there. You say, Rob, Rob you're, 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 you're using George Lucas, and, and I'll tell you the reason I am is because he's so well-known. And then you may, may say, well, yeah, but he wrote and directed the original Star Wars. He, you know, he, had, he had this authorship. He did. But at this point in time, there have been far more Star Wars without George Lucas than there have been Star Wars with George Lucas. The man wrote and directed in total four of the films, the three prequels and then the original, and then he served as a producer on Empire and a producer on Return of the Jedi. And no matter how much they put his name on stuff, there have been more aggregate Star Wars without George than there have been with George. And yet, that does not change that George is the guy. He is, now you want to create a side Jedi character that George didn't know of? Great. But the Jedis in and of themselves are a product of George Lucas. So much of it just, you can't escape George. Sith, Jedi, all of it, okay? Uh, uh, so, so again, there have been more Star Wars without George. And yet we don't ask, when did Star Wars become Star Wars? It was Star Wars when I sat there and the lights went down and the rebel ship got hijacked. Darth Vader came on board. Leah ejected. End of story. Let's go. That's George. That's his vision. So, so the perfect on-ramp for this came the other day when uh, Tom Brevoort, an executive editor and an executive level uh, officer in Marvel Comics, he has a blog and he shared the blog and he put the blog as many places as he could. Twitter, Facebook, I know when I'm, when I'm promoting my podcast, I did the same. Drop link, drop link, drop link. You want to get the word out. And this one had a very interesting name and, and, it, and, it, and it struck a nerve with me for a reason. Most, most, first, foremost, because I was there. I was there. The, the name of the, the article and, and of, of this latest blog is When Did Wolverine Become Wolverine? Well, I, on my pad, I immediately answered. Now I'm alone in my house on my beanbag scrolling through and I go, oh, when, when he first appeared, I just, and then I commented when he first appeared, that's when he was Wolverine. When he first appeared, that's when he was Wolverine. And I'll read you a little of what, of what Tom wrote. And here's the, here's the deal. Here's, I do not know Tom Brevoort. Well, we are not friends. Last I looked, we are not enemies. We exist in the comic book world. I do a ton of work for Marvel. He has been at Marvel for 30 plus years. Uh, he does his blog. He wants to share his thoughts, his ruminations on comic books in the same way that I do through this podcast. Uh, much of what he does in this article is take you on a guide of how he saw the character evolve over different creative teams. And he closes it off around 1980 and he hits different. Um, different points along the way it's 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 uh 
very professionally expressed. I, I don't think there's a ton of agenda in it, but the headline, the, the question in and of itself, when did Wolverine become Wolverine, to me, was reason enough to get fired up. And this is me getting fired up. Now, you don't solve things with anger. You just come at them with facts. You don't answer something. So it was easy. I go, oh, I can do this in a heartbeat because it is all so very simple. But to do that, I'm going to read some of what was expressed in this blog. And hey, if you want to go and, and give him a whole bunch of eyeballs, do it. Um, it, it it's, it's certainly informative. It, it's sometimes, it is, I'm going to be honest, it's agenda-driven. It is agenda-driven. One thing I try and do on this show is not uh, just look for link bait all the time. They're after 350 episodes, as I embark on 351, if you know, and if you don't think I was thinking of it around 180, uh, episode 75, 250, you go, man, should I just be going for the splashiest, juiciest rumors? Most of the time, case in point, I, I do a uh, an episode early on, maybe season two, called Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting, the name of a popular 70s song, which was coming out at the same time that Marvel and DC were leaning into martial arts-themed comic books because martial arts themed everything was blowing up in the culture. I was there. I had the Kung Fu, the karate shirts, Bruce Lee. We've covered it. It is one of my very favorite episodes because it really communicates to you what was going on during the time in the 1970s. And again, if you don't think that I am all in on the 70s, I am all in on the 70s. Let there be no doubt. I I think it is one of the most spectacular decades. I actually think 70s and the 90s are the most interesting. A lot of good stuff happened in the 80s. But for, 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 for reasons I, I will explain some other time, I think there's very distinct reasons that drive uh, my heightened interest in the 70s and in the 90s, even though, hey, I was there fully engaged all throughout the 80s. Uh, under the, the, the headline of, 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 Tom's, uh, uh, of Tom's article, when did Wolverine become Wolverine? Well, like I said, I'll just tell you right now. Uh, when was Wolverine Wolverine? Well, from the very first frame. That's it. That's the answer. That's the entirety of the answer. And we're going to go further into and just nail exactly how uh, how appropriate that answer is. Uh, <clears throat> be, 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 because, <laughs> oh man, I, 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 <laughs> I'm having some good stutters here. This is good. The, the BBB and the III. Okay. Uh, look. <clears throat> Uh, what, 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 what begins is, and I believe all of the false statement is, 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 um, and again, this is published February 19th, 2024. So this is perfect. This is such a great topic to discuss. Uh, under when was Wolverine Wolverine at this point, so long after the fact and with a bevy of idea of films, reinforcing the essential ideas of the character, the specifics who and what Wolverine are have been very well established, but for a very long time, that simply was not the case. And in fact, it would be almost six years after his debut, after all the fundamental facts of who he was and what he could do were clearly established and laid out. This is what Tom says, um, to which I say, not so much. And I, and I'll, 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 I'll detail my not so much. He then jumps down second paragraph. Now it probably ought to be mentioned that nobody involved with the early days of Wolverine thought he was going to become more than just another character. Okay. So let's just start here. I've told you guys 1974, 1975 is my sweet spot. That's when I started collecting comics. That is when I was negotiating, trading for comics with my barber. But the earliest 
spinner racks that I encountered were around this time. I pulled Hulk 180 and Hulk 181 off the spinner racks. My parents, I've covered here before, were very leery of comic books, but the comic books that scared them the most were Morbius, The Living Vampire, for whatever reason, Shang-Chi. The thing I didn't land here a minute ago, allow me, the reason I brought up the Kung Fu fighting is uh, I wanted to share that with you, not just because of the time, because Jim Starlin came to Marvel and introduced, hey, let's do this Shang-Chi Master of Kung Fu comic book. And it was from him being inspired by the TV show Kung Fu that was on the air at the time with David Carradine, a show that I was watching with my family regularly. We watched a lot, a lot, a lot of TV. The Liefelds loved TV, okay? Everybody had something else that they loved in, in, in the house, but we watched a lot of it collectively. But the, everybody was Kung Fu fighting in the martial arts stuff. I covered uh, because it was a, 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 a time period that, that they were really introducing so many martial arts-themed comic books and characters. And Jim Starlin was the man, and we're going to get back to him too, come back to him, who said, hey, we should do this. He pitched it. Marvel decided let's do a couple showcase episodes, and they did. Now, what he became after, in all these years after, does not matter. Shang-Chi was Shang-Chi from the jump. The Shang-Chi that I was enjoying was the guy that I saw in his very first appearance. The Shang-Chi that later teamed up with Spider-Man early on. The Shang-Chi that leaped, leapt to giant popularity. And this brings me back to Wolverine. Let me tell you something. And, and I'm going to speak to all the Tom Brevoorts. Wolverine was popular and was someone who jumped out to every kid at that age on that cover to Hulk 181 in that last page of Hulk 180. My parents were scared of comic books. Mo- Morbius, vampires. Uh, the, 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 you know, I, I'm certain that my dad saw on the rack at 7-Eleven, you know, uh, the Son of Satan comic from, from, uh, from, from Marvel, the, the Tomb of Dracula. They, but the one that was safe was the Jolly Green Giant that was Marvel's Incredible Hulk. He was the safest comic I could roll with, even, even more so than, than like Superman or Batman, because Batman may have had scary, creepy stuff for a little Robbie who's, who's seven going on eight here. But the Hulk was just a fun, green Marvel uh, brute and action-packed. If they ever did flip through the comics, they were generally as, as non-offensive and just filled with fun and action and adventure. And certainly Wolverine's first appearance is full of action and adventure. He comes out swinging. He arrives, again, how Hulk 180 isn't his first appearance is not something that I am certain I can can kind of navigate, but the the fans have decided, the collectors, the retailers, that 181 is, is the issue. And most possibly it's because Wolverine is also on the cover of that issue, makes it an even sexier sell, an easier sell, an item of greater desire, want, and collectability because there he is right, right in the cover. Wolverine is Wolverine on that cover. He is in his blue and yellow costume, which we would see him in for the next basically 10 years. Uh, okay, no. We would see him in it for the next six years from that point. For six years, he rocks that blue and yellow costume. He becomes Wolverine. Uh, when I see him on the cover of that Hulk, his claws are out. He's slicing and dicing at Hulk and Wendigo the entirety of the issue. Did you also know that he is called Weapon X? And on the last panel 
in the last page of 180. Did you forget that? Well, that's why Uncle Robbie is here to share these important facts with you all. He is, let's read this caption. Let's read this caption together. The last page of Hulk 180. It says, if you really want to tangle with someone, why not try, try your luck against the Wolverine? Six claws, three on each hands, blue and yellow costume. The change in the mask comes about of the removal of the whiskers. Between this and his next uh, published appearance, which after 182, which he's in a few pages as they segue into a new storyline, but then he becomes the face along with Colossus of the cover, the bursting out cover of giant size X-Men number one. He's still in his blue, yellow, and black costume, and his... Uh, his, his Wolverine helmet has, is now no longer, it no longer has, uh, his, his mask no longer has the whiskers. But he says, why not try your luck against Wolverine? And the last two captions say, well, now you know what er, who Weapon X is, Faithful One, because they referred to him earlier, the Canadian government. They're going to, uh, they're going to release Weapon X to, pro- to deal with this problem ha- that they're having in the Canadian tundra where Hulk and, Th- and, and, and one, one um, Wendigo are fighting it out it says he's a raging he's a living raging powerhouse who's bound to knock you back on your emerald posterior then it says next issue the wolverine strikes but once so there he is he's weapon x he's wolverine he's in his blue and yellow costume and he has his six claws that's wolverine okay he's wolverine in his first appearance then look here's the deal this cover to 181 has been homage so many times because it's because it is an amazing action layout. Wolverine is coming right at us, striking over Hulk, who is swinging, you know, directly at Wolverine. Wolverine is in such great uh, position just under the logo. And it says Hulk, and now the Wolverine. And then there's an arrow also uh, pointing to, to, to Wendigo. And on the burst, on the burst of Hulk 181, because let's just examine this. It says, he's here, the world's, the world's first, the world's first and greatest Canadian superhero. And now Wolverine. Well, there he is, kids. Again, all the claws are bared. He's a runt. He's short. He's Weapon X. He's got blue, yellow, black. He's got the same uh, stripes. Uh, holding his own, the, the, the small guy, the little guy, striking out against the giant green brute. This cover, when you see it, when you're going through a convention, as I was a couple weeks back when I went to a local show here, this is one of the most prominent comics you're going to see. A lot of raw copies now. Not a lot of not, there's not a lot of ni- uh, of high grades from retailers to show. Uh, they're just uh, they're just displaying it, and it pops. That red cover, that white logo, Wolverine in yellow and blue, and Hulk in green, just pops. And then you open it. And then you open it. The cover, again, he is slicing through chains uh, because he is chained later in this issue, uh, striking at Hulk fearlessly, which speaks to his uh, courage and, and his feisty nature. And he is, he is smaller, much smaller than, than Hulk. But again, blue, yellow, black, the stripes, the shoulder wings, uh, and the six claws. His name's Wolverine. He's a Canadian superhero. They've given him all sorts of extra bells and whistles to tell you this guy's important. When was Wolverine Wolverine? Right there. If he wasn't Wolverine on that last panel of 180, he is right there on that cover. But wait, there's so much more. It's the splash page. And now here we go. Wolverine. And this time, 
the splash page uh, by Herb Trim. Wolverine jumping right into the fray in between Hulk and Wendigo. Len Wein wrote it. Herb Trimp illustrated it. And let me tell you something. Do we even talk about this comic, this appearance, if it wasn't brought to you by these specific creators? Len Wein was a popular writer. Was writing a lot of comic books for Marvel at the time. I was so... I, 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 I look back and, man, whether it was Hulk, whether it was Spider-Man, you know, whether it was the work that he did over in DC on Green Lantern, whether it was Swamp Thing, whether it was his brilliant uh, giant size X-Men and then the next few issues of X-Men that he uh, provided the story, the plot, and Chris Claremont scripted over those before taking over entirely. Len was a guy that entertained my youth and always had fun, poppy stories. Uh, there was a reason that he was so successful, that he was so famous, that he was so uh, popular. And Herb was a long-standing, super popular fan favorite Hulk artist. Did an extended long run, beloved by people such as myself, Eric Larson. If you um, stop both of us, we will tell you about all of the Herb Trimpy Hulks that we enjoyed, that we loved. I don't know if this is written or illustrated by fill in the blank and fill in the blank. If it resonates, because so many of these shots, so many of the blocking, the gestures, they're so dynamic that it it is why we like what we like so much. And we're going to get to the point about pictures because I'm going to tell you what makes the comics industry, un, what unsettles them is the power that the artists wield. One of the last uh, observations reviews that was left that I shared with you guys talked about a gentleman who beat the drum again and again and again about how we t- how we put the focus on the visuals and the art and how important it is to us. And I talked to you recently about Wizard Magazine and how they were like, hey man, don't forget the writers. It's not always about the art. It's whatever it is about what we do as artists, it it has always been something that makes people nervous in the comic book industry. And I'll tell you why. It is because the power that the artist has. You are buying a comic book for a visual. Don't tell me you're buying it for the story. If you just wanted a story, go read a novel. Art comes with a package. You're buying something with an illustrated cover and then sequential art provided by an artist. Oftentimes, if you're lucky, a visionary artist. Someone who who, who connects with you on a different level. Like Herb Trim did. Like Len Wein did. As, as creative storytellers. But the art, the blocking, the gestures storytelling are such a part of the enjoyment of this very first appearance of Wolverine. I'm going to continue to lean into when was Wolverine Wolverine right here because this is why kids liked him. He was scrappy. He was feisty. He was brawling with a giant. He had claws. I have done numerous talks when I do my panels and it always gets a rousing response. And I have talked about it on this show. What was the big difference? What was the big difference between uh the X-Men of Cyclops, Angel, Iceman, Jean Grey, Beast. I've gone into it at length. They were temple touchers and arm casters. I've done an entire podcast on this. They had no weapons whatsoever. Well, here you go. Here comes Weapon X Wolverine, Dude Ass Claws. 
kids like myself, seven-year-old Robbie Liefeld was, this dude has claws. This dude has claws and he is slicing and dicing. And you know what he does on page two? He holds those claws up as he has already um, throttled Hulk and knocked Hulk and one to go around. On page four of page two, he holds his claws up and he says, I'm like a Wolverine if you don't mind, Hulk. And like a Wolverine, I've got claws forged of diamond hard adamantium and the power to back them up. Feels like we got a lot covered here. Feels like we got a whole lot covered here. Tom will go out of his way to tell you that he wasn't identified as a mutant. No matter. Not a problem. He's already Weapon X. He's a Canadian agent. Um, Things that would excite me and inspire other characters. Uh, Because without Wolverine, there's no Deadpool. I've told you before. Okay? Uh, He was completely inspirational. There are people who have forgotten how much I tied Deadpool into the Weapon X program. I absolutely cleared with Bob Harris. I need him to be Weapon 9 because he's kind of unrefined. And he's kind of, they didn't, uh, you know, perfect it yet. And I got that idea from watching Twins and having Danny DeVito be from the the junk and the lesser stuff. They hadn't perfected him until they created him and turned him into Arnold Schwarzenegger. And again, all of this is covered in my five-part Making of Deadpool uh, podcast that I released a couple years back. Go listen to all of those. All your questions will be answered. But it only comes about because I am obsessed with Wolverine and Weapon X. And then shortly after introducing Deadpool to build out the Wolverine, my obsession continues in X-Force number two, another Deadpool appearance that introduces you to Garrison Kane. And Kane calls himself Weapon X throughout the opening 10-page story. And Deadpool says, isn't that name changed? And it is clear that now there is a new Weapon X for the department following the only previous Weapon X that Marvel Comics knew, which was Wolverine. So Deadpool's number nine. Kane is number 11. All of this was covered. There are people who read Grant Morrison's run that said, I didn't know this existed. Yes, it existed in the number one comic book in the country in July of 1991. 1.6 million copies sold of X-Force number two. The number one book. It was all there. My obsession with Weapon X. Where was Wolverine first identified as Weapon X? Here in his first appearance. Okay. He'll say, but he's not a mutant. Well, you know who then established him as a mutant? Len Wein, giant size X-Men number one, waste no time whatsoever, letting you know that Wolverine is a mutant because Charles Xavier is recruiting him. Giant size X-Men number one, Professor Xavier, again, written by Len Wein, drawn by the incredible Dave Cockrum. Uh, page five, page five of giant size X-Men number one. Xavier has gone to, uh, to Canada. He is visiting the home base of a very special government agency, the Agent Cipher-Coded Weapon X. Wolverine walks in, says, all right, gents, I'm here. Now, who's this bigwig you want me to meet? Xavier says, I am the bigwig. (laughs) I am the bigwig. Professor Xavier, at your service. Am I supposed to be impressed, Wolverine says? Uh, The Canadian commander says, apparently the top breast is impressed, Wolverine. All I know is that the professor is here to make you some sort of offer. Wolverine says, an offer, huh? Xavier says, I'll come straight to the point. I know of your recent battle with the Hulk, and I know of your powers. You, my friend, are a mutant, and I have need of mutants. Bing, 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 bing. So, page five, Giants has X-Men number one. He's a mutant. Len Wein, just carrying on. He's a mutant. Wolverine says, what about my position here? Xavier says, I'm offering you a chance to become a free agent to put your powers to greater use. And uh, the, 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 the general, the 
Canadian officer says, not so fast, fella. The government has invested a great deal of time and money turning you into what you are now. So we have hints that he was part of an experimental process. He's Weapon X. He's Wolverine. Len has got all of this covered and more. Wolverine says, I quit. Do you have any further objections? Uh, anytime you want me, you know where to come looking. And they, they exit. Later in the issue, uh, I, I believe it's uh, page 28 of Giant Size X-Men number one, Wolverine, among the several times that he flashes his claws in this incredible first outing with the team, this incredible seminal uh, reboot of, of the X-Men, he, he slices and dices on a giant crab beast. It's actually... Page 25 of Giant Size X-Men number one, Wolverine dives into the fray and he says, looks like the local welcoming committee. Good thing they're not the ones around here with the big sharp claws, is it? The Wolverine has claws of his own as he slices and dices uh, into this crab crab, uh, uh, monster. And uh, the Wolverine has claws of his own. Scrack. uh, Is the sound as he he scrapes him. Again, all, all the claws popped. And he is out at it. Later on, the most obvious time he went into like one of his rages is my very favorite Dave Cockrum issue of the X-Men, X-Men number 100. And Wolverine goes full snarl and ballistic, kind of a precursor to the Berserker rage. That's by Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum. Again, one of, one of, my, one of the most beautifully illustrated issues of X-Men 100. Dave Cockrum was just firing on all cylinders. but and. To his credit, Tom covers that aspect. The bottom line is, Wolverine looked cool, was cool. We loved him. My generation loved him. Couldn't wait to see where he was going to appear again. And then he appeared in Giant Size X-Men number one. We were done with the uh, temple touchers and the arm casters. Like, you know, I'm going to wave my arm and ice will come out of it. I'm going to flap my wings and scare you. I'm going to touch my temple and fire off a blast. I'm going to touch my temple and release psychic energy. I'm going to, you know, jump at you real hard like the beast did. Wolverine was the beginning of the weaponization of your heroes, except was it because the Avengers, which was the better selling title at the time, guy had a hammer, guy had a shield, guy had a bow. There was a character called Swordsman. He had a sword. The weaponized... Uh, superheroes were more popular than the X-Men who were coming out of limbo when they relaunched them in Giant Size X-Men number one. Again, dedicated full hour-long episodes to how seminal Giant Size X-Men number one was, but part of it is, and you can't escape it, who is coming at us boldly on the cover again? Wolverine. Blue, yellow, black, looking badass, got his claws. He had the attention of that age group from day one. Ask a kid who was seven, eight, nine, ten of the time how much they loved Wolverine. Why does Hulk 181 have such a sweet spot in all, all of our hearts? And then you kind of forget, huh, he was Weapon X right here. He was part of an experimental process right here. Uh, he looked cool right here. Looking cool matters. How else do you explain Boba Fett? I have put myself in this driver's seat. I have told you. I was 10 years old. I cut those uh, toys up with their proof of purchases to mail in to get Boba Fett. I knew nothing about him. As a matter of fact, the more that they did with Boba Fett, the less that I liked him, although I just kept going back to, man, does he look cool? Does he look cool? Looking cool matters because visuals matter. I have read so many uh, reviews of the upcoming Dune movie, which I'm seeing in a matter of days. And the reviewers time and again and again are caught up with how amazing 
the movie looks, why we have to see it on the biggest screen possible. And when they're saying why you need to see it, why you need to go pay in Southern California, $28 to go to an IMAX screen and see it. Maybe more in some areas. In my area, $28. Hey, this looks so good. Go pay $28. Take, take you and your wife and pay 60 Take your family, pay 100 They're telling you the, the visuals matter. The visuals are worth it. Comic books are based on visuals. Wolverine was Wolverine from the jump. They took the whiskers off. They gave him a full black mask instead of the mask with the whiskers. And we were all following him ever since. I got to tell you something. It doesn't matter to me that Chris Claremont saw Shogun uh, and, and, and that he was so enamored with it that he, uh, that, that he implemented so much of the love story, focusing on the Gaijin aspect, the outsider. When, when, when Logan meets Mariko in their kind of Japanese uh, adventures in, in like X-Men around numbers 118, 119, 117, when they're, when they're, when they're doing their, their, they're, they're leaving the Savage Land and trying to make their way back and they go to Japan and then later they go to uh, Canada. Uh, none of that matters. I, guess what I don't do with my action figure? And, and the only character that I have more action figures of in Cable and Deadpool is Wolverine. And you know what I don't do with my Wolverine? I don't sit him uh, at a pond uh, next to Mariko so that he can pine over the flower that he picked for her or, or express how much he loves her. And Wolverine looks great battling ninjas. Full stop. Great. Awesome. Not as good as he looks fighting the Hulk, but he looks great battling ninjas. Doesn't mean that that made me like him more or less. And his love affair with Mariko and being left at the altar did not, that didn't make me like him more than I already did. Cutting up dudes, getting into scraps, leading the way. He was the smallest of everybody. So he had that chip on his shoulder. I've told you I did an entire podcast. Again, 350 episodes. I can do callbacks all day. I did an episode about the temperamental guys. You know, read, read about Brad Pitt having a bit of a temper the other day. Read about Travis Kelsey from his, uh, his uh, ironically, before the Super Bowl. Before the Super Bowl. They were asking Andy Reid how Travis Kelsey had changed, and he, he remarked on his temperament. It was, it was on Channel 2. It was on the network that would go and show it in an hour, show the Super Bowl. He, they said, you know, his, and they showed Travis Kelsey in his first year um, and his temper going off with, with the refs. And, uh, and then, ironically, during the Super Bowl, Kelsey would tee off on Andy Reid for all of us to see. Uh, I talked about Prince Namor, Luke Cage, Ben Grimm, Wolverine. Why was I so identified with those? I was a, I was a young man. I was going into puberty. I could relate to the struggles, the rage, um, you know, being a little guy. And, and, and so Wolverine appealed to me on every possible level, but no more so then. He had three claws coming out of each of his hands, and he wasn't scared to swing them and sling them. And this, goes, this really goes back to the first appearance of Punisher, first appearance of Venom, first appearance of Deadpool, first appearance of Cable. You know, I didn't tell you who Cable was when you first met him. I kept that all close. I kept that all really close. I was going to take over. I was going to be the full writer. You were going to get more. I had to give kind of just breadcrumbs at the beginning. Tell, well, this is what is intended. But I, I held back so much more. You didn't know his true identity. Then in X-Force number one, wait, what? He's got psychic powers? He's moving stuff around? Domino says, you can't tell these kids who you are, which is his lineage to the Summers family. You, you've got you've to gotta be more discreet. And he's kind of like, well, it's going to come out sooner or later. He's telekinetically moving wrenches and, and, and different tools that he's using to, 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 to work in the hangar. 
I didn't tell any of that when I first introduced him to you, but you loved him. New Mutants 87 blew out the doors because this badass guy, which was with what looked like a bionic arm and a big tech weapon gun and a scar over one eye and a blinking eye, burst onto the scene, took on a bunch of bad guys, promised to deliver the New Mutants, and you loved him. That's all. It, when was Cable Cable? New Mutants 87. When was Punisher Punisher? His first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man. When was Venom Venom? His first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man. Okay. When was Deadpool Deadpool? New Mutants 98. Full stop. Mercenary. Wise ass. You guys loved him. The mail was overwhelming. Wolverine. He was more than just a character that stirred people's interest. He was somebody that the fans could not wait to see next. And why did we want to wait to see him next? It's because he had three claws on each hand. He was a badass. He was a visual treasure. He looked great going up against the Hulk fearlessly and Wendigo. And then later on, alongside the X-Men and kicking all sorts of ass and kicking all sorts of tail. And that is why we loved Wolverine. And Wolverine was Wolverine from the jump. Once again, let me, let me really, really, you know, hammer this nail. I do not get my Wolverine action figure and go find a bear for him to fight, which reignites, you know, re, 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 reenacts, excuse me, the opening of the Frank Miller Wolverine miniseries. I have my Wolverine and I face him off against everybody, but the bigger, the bigger, the better. I've mentioned my nephews before for the last, geez, their entire lives, about the last eight years when they were four or five. Uncle Rob, will you go get all your action figures? I have two giant bins of action figures. We get them out. Sometimes I put, I've put the pictures up and we have a draft and everyone drafts their, their, their different characters. Wolverine, they don't, know, they don't know jack or shit about Wolverine, Mariko, ninjas, uh, his temperament, uh, the, the, the Barry Windsor Smith Weapon X. They just go, oh, this character in yellow and black and stripes and claws, I want him. That They are the lady in Napoleon Dynamite who wants that boat in the bottle. I want that. I'll buy this Tupperware, but I want that. Okay, that's how kids immediately respond to Wolverine. Yes, I snap my fingers. So you can give me all the other cords and connecting tissue. And it doesn't change that Wolverine was Wolverine from the goddamn jump. And let me, of course, add that, of course, as a Canadian came on the X-Men and wanted to increase the profile of, uh, of Wolverine, he put him more at the forefront, which is what we wanted in the first place. So he just gave the fans what they were looking to get, which was more Wolverine. I've covered also, again, if you read the early X-Men episodes that I did, how Colossus was designed to be the star of the book in the, in the uh, traditional manner of Marvel strongmen who were frontmen for their book and who they believed readers want. Wolverine, people wanted more of him. Now, maybe Dave Cockrum didn't like him as much, and Dave Cockrum has been open open because he was the artist and the, and, the, and the rebirth of the X-Men. But why did the X-Men go from Giants as X-Men to, to then being a comic in demand and Marvel could then re, uh, reissue it and get it back up and going with new issues in the first time for four years? It's because we, the fans, bought Giants as X-Men. We, the fans, loved it. We, the fans, expressed our interest and our love for those characters. We voted at the spinner rack. Again, visual components. There wasn't a whole lot to know about each each and every one of these characters. Xavier rounded them up. They went to the island. They saved the X-Men. They all exhibited their powers. 
as I've said, everyone got a, l- a little bit of a showcase, but constantly throughout Giants as X-Men went number one, Wolverine is slicing and dicing. Again, we visit the department that made Wolverine. They, they, the guy tells you right there, we put all this money into you. Between two appearances, you've got so much material to build on. Weapon X, the program, the money invested. Wow, there's a lot of story there. Okay, there was a whole lot of story. As they've expanded and, and a couple of times they've, they've subtracted because they didn't like some of the things that they added with Wolverine, it doesn't make a difference. I don't, I don't, give, a, I don't give a damn about the fastball special. That didn't add to my uh, appeal of Wolverine one iota. His romance with Mariko, his, uh, his, his, his kind of Japanese gaijin storyline uh, that was implemented, none of it. Blue, yellow costume, black stripes, black and yellow mask, Six claws total, swinging, slicing, dicing against Marvel's very best. Anytime someone recreates that first Hulk versus uh, Wolverine battle, it gets my attention. Any panel, any setting, it's so great. John Byrne reenacted it a couple times. He did a cover uh, for a reprint reenacting it. It just looks so great because it, it landed. The plane landed. I am the fandom that loved Wolverine that made him a superstar. and. So again, the definitive answer is nothing other than his first appearance. That's when he became Wolverine. All the other stuff is just add-ons. The fans connected, they loved, and they adored. And, and I just need to keep going over this as I look across my table. And I have not one, but two Mondo Wolverine action figures, big 12-inch action figures that are modeled after the Wolverines, the, the yellow and black and the brown costume variant from the X-Men animated series. Uh, I bought those because they, wait, wait for it, look cool. Look cool is not something that people understand. It's certainly not something that you can nail every time out, but look cool wins almost every battle. Look cool wins almost every decisive showdown. And it's hard to, uh, to kind of encapsulate and Artists are the ones who make things look cool. This is what give artists their power. The painter, the, the, the designer, and uh, the comic book artist, the storyboard guy. Art that looks cool wins the day. This giant 18-inch Deadpool statue that I have in front of me from Sideshow, it's a marvel. It's incredible to look at. It, it is he is wearing exactly his new Mutants 98 appearance. He has his swords drawn. And it's funny because people give me a hard time all the time. I, I draw Wolverine with two swords in his hands. I'm sorry, I draw Deadpool. I draw Deadpool with two swords in his hands. And then I keep the swords on his back displayed as if the hilt of those swords, as if the, the swords are still sheathed. So in fact, he has four swords in this statue the same way I, sometimes he has four swords with me. In, in, my, uh, in my drawings. And when people go, why does he have two swords still sheathed and he has two swords? Because he took those swords from somebody else. Come on, you don't know what happened the page before. You don't know what happened the moment before. It's easily explained. You just don't like it because somehow you're trying to apply logic to looks cool and you can't. Looks cool wins every showdown. Looks cool uh, is hard to bottle. Looks cool is unique. When it, when it hits, it's like lightning. And so we go back to George Lucas. We go back to Jim Starlin. They made cool-looking characters, cool from the jump. And when I see Master of Sung chi I think of Jim Starlin. I think of what a gift that guy is, that he gave us so many great characters. And Sung chi being maybe one of the most famous outside of Thanos. 
I go to George Lucas. Again, how many Mandalorians, Book of Boba Fett, you know, uh, uh, Obi-Wan, all, all these different shows, Clone Wars, all, all this different stuff. And yet, that first Star Wars shook the world and is the basis for every single thing that followed. And we need to focus on the people. In this case, let's go with Lennon Herb. And let's go with John Romita Sr., who did the, the character design, who was asked to come up with the character design to give it to Herb. I don't know John Romita Sr., did not know him one lick. I knew Herb. I knew Len. I traveled with Len. I flew with Len to Baltimore and back. I hung out with the, in the airports with him. We talked X-Men. We talked Batman. I had many. I, I have an entire podcast devoted to my, my dinners with Herb. Those guys, the work they did, that's why you love Wolverine. It was right there, 1974, Hulk 180, Hulk 181. Look no further. Everything else just is additives. But to act as if this character didn't strike a chord with everybody who was there, who was there, who bought Hulk 181 off the rusty old spinner rack at the back of the liquor store or at the 7-Eleven or at the supermarket. Credit robbing, and I'm not saying at any level that Tom Brevoort is doing this, but these kind of articles, I believe, sow the seeds of what other people then, other people run with, and they try and attach so many. Oh, well, it was him, it was Hillman, it was him, it was them, it was her. No, none of that. Right there, right then. I was there, I can tell you. I have people who tell me how they reacted to when the Beatles first arrived, Jim Valentino being one of them. I cannot duplicate that. I cannot replicate that. My kids can't replicate my love for all the 80s acts. I will get carried away telling them about Michael Jackson and the Motown special and when he first moonwalked and they just kind of look at me like, I can't quite grasp that. Because they weren't there. Being there does matter. It gives a sense of history and it gets, gives a sense of context. And again, Marvel did their job. They pushed Wolverine on that cover. Canadians, Canada's first superhero. And the incredible visual that was the cover, the incredible storytelling on the interior. Then Giants as X-Men, Len Wein continues. He wrote him in Hulk. He wrote him in X-Men. Boom. More knockout punches in Giant Size X-Men number one. Everything else that followed was just an additive because we already loved the character. You may say that I beat the dead horse today. Sometimes the dead horse is worth beating because again, there are dissenters. There are people who want to, you know, cast uh, different applications to a character that truly don't exist. We've lost sight. I love when people come and give me a comic book of one of my characters that sold 40,000 copies and say, you know, this was the definitive vision. No, the hell it wasn't. The the definitive version sold 750,000 copies, sold 1 million copies, has 1 million rookie cards from X-Force number one. I've been there. I know this. And I know Len and I know um, Herb, which is why I am able to, I, I knew them. I knew two great creative men. And that is why this matters so much to me because I want creators to be acknowledged. And that's what this was all about today. So I, I truly am thankful that the article by Tom went up because it gave me an opening to do this entire uh, kind of exposition detailing to you from someone who was there and then think back really look at what i've 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 uh, i've uh, shared with you do you do you get your wolverine to sit by the you know the, the 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 fountain and give flowers to mariko uh 
Do you have him dress up and go out to the bar and, and, and get, get, get drinks? No, you put him in the middle of the action, slicing and dicing, and you either have a brown and tan costume that you like or you have the traditional blue and yellow. Let me tell you something. The blue and yellow matters. I was told by Marvel Editorial. I've been told three times since November. Wolverine needs to be in yellow and blue. Wolverine needs to be in yellow and blue. He needs to have his blue and yellow costume because obviously, as we've seen, that is what Hugh is wearing in, uh, in Deadpool Wolverine. So his original costume has never been more important than ever. And that original costume he is wearing in his first appearances. And those claws, I'm going to tell you something. If Wolverine is, is, is slicing and dicing, if he's just waving his hands, trying to claw with his fingers, uh, at Hulk, we're not having the same conversation. Do not underestimate the power of the claws. Now, I have done a podcast. It's called I Was a Teenage Wolverine. Look it up. Rob observations, I Was a Teenage Wolverine. It covers in depth uh, the, uh, the, some of the crazy notions that they had about what they were going to do with Wolverine and how they were going to depict him. But I'm going to tell you, if you told me that those claws came out of his hands, um, came out of his gloves in those couple of appearances, it wouldn't have changed how I like. Do I like some of the mysteries they've done with Wolverine? Yes, as much as I dislike many of the twists and turns they've taken since, sometimes just for the sake of taking a twist and taking a turn. But Weapon X, Wolverine, the visuals, the cool, the looks cool, was all covered right there. Honestly, just like Spider-Man. Sorry. Had to, just like Spider-Man. Everything after Steve Ditko with Stan Lee is just additives. He was Spider-Man right there, right there from the jump. A lot in common with Mr. Wolverine, just like Spider-Man. So, hey, great, rousing 350th bonus uh, extravaganza jam-packed episode. So big, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be broken into two parts, okay? So big, it's going to be broken into two parts, and I cannot wait to re-engage. We've set the table. The X-Men are still, this is an X-Men-themed episode, and why wouldn't it be? Did I mention that Wolverine's my favorite character? Did I mention that the most original art that I have is of Wolverine with pages with Wolverine on it? So I am, you would categorize me, categories, categorize me as a Wolverine super fan and you wouldn't be wrong. And this was an absolute blast to go through this. I hope I stirred some of your thoughts. I hope I, hope I uh, challenged some of the, I think, errant concepts and ideas that are out there. Okay, I'll just keep going. Like I said, the answer to the question didn't need eight paragraphs it he's wolverine right there 181 last panel on 180 it's all there oh man do i ever get fired up do i ever get fired up i had, I had to step away from this burning hot mic uh and 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 and, and uh you know walk around look at some comic books for a while circle back here uh look, look uh, again i just want to put this on in context creators matter to me the contribution of, of, of comic creators, especially those who paved the way, created the path, and a character like Wolverine, who I'm telling you right now, popular right out the jump, right out the jump. The fact that it took seven years for Marvel to uh, do a spinoff of him and find out how successful it could be was because we all wanted it so badly. We wanted Wolverine in a more showcase form from, from the jump. Years later, they would do it much faster. A character appeared to have some heat, boom, greenlit, extra spinoffs immediately. I mean, Punisher took even longer. I mean, way longer than Wolverine did for them to capitalize with a, with a separate showcase 
uh, because he had just become so popular. But he was popular from the jump. Now, I wasn't there for Punisher, but he was one of the characters that was uh, already hot when I was breaking into comics, discovering the direct market, and knew that those those uh, those particular issues were expensive. But one of the reasons that I knew in 1974 why Punisher was so hot was there was a bunch of school supplies. Marvel had done a huge deal. I forget the exact, uh, maybe, the, maybe the name was Mead School Supplies, M-E-A-D. Uh, they did uh, folders. They had done notebooks, three-ring notebooks. They'd done school supplies. One of the most popular of the peachy folders, that's what they call them, like the, the, just the flat folders with the, with the one uh, kind of fold on each side, had the first appearance of, of Punisher from Spider-Man. And, and that was the cover on both and then some panels from the interior the issue featuring Punisher were on the inside of the, no, of, 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 the, of, the, of the folders. But you knew that there was a reason that particular issue was, was resonating, you know, because that, that cover is just as much about Punisher as it is about Spider-Man who's upside down in gun sights on the cover. But that amazing Spider-Man image was everywhere when they were licensing out Spider-Man for school supplies. And, and so, so I was like, oh, Punisher, Punisher, Punisher. Ditto with Wolverine. And so, again, am I trying to say that Tom Brevoort is a credit robber? No. Do I think his, the question that he poses and then the, the layering on, well, then they did this and then they did this and he really wasn't a fully recognizable character that we know now. Look, I think that opens the door for other credit robbers who come in and say CC and they try and apply this same aesthetic to all manner of characters. Starfire, the Teen Titans, really only popular under George and Marv Wolfman and was very, very influenced by Storm from the X-Men at the time. Do your research. You'll know what I'm telling you is true. George, I believe in even interviews early on was saying the same. The, uh, the credit robbing is part of, again, the diminishing and, and the revisionist history of, of past accomplishments. And it happens in sports all the time. You'll, you'll read, and, and I, I have kids under my roof who will tell me MJ, Michael Jordan, wasn't as great. He didn't play against good competition. He didn't play against enough Hall of Famers. He didn't play, he didn't play, he didn't play. It's all these excuses to tell me what my eyes saw and what I lived through was not what my eyes saw and what I lived through. Okay? and they they do any and they do anything to to uh to find an opening for their favorite and again we we created this idea it started with magic and larry bird and then it was transferred to mj and mj got six rings more than magic's five and then i gotta tell you yes i am one of those revisionists because if you only have eight teams in the entire organization the entire association the entire nba it's harder to make that call but by but magic and larry bird are the modern NBA. So I speak of the modern NBA. And in the modern NBA, MJ's three straight and three straight was something that not even my favorite basketball player, Kobe Bryant, could duplicate. So therefore, even though I prefer Kobe, I like him. There was fierce aspects to his game and his competitiveness that I enjoyed even more than watching Michael Jordan. I cannot put Kobe over Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan has those rings. Nowadays, you'll hear Rings aren't everything. Rings aren't everything. Bullshit. Rings are everything. They're hard to get. You know who's become the new villains on, on the scene? Suddenly, the Kansas City Chiefs. I remember when they won their first uh, Super Bowl, beating the 49ers, what, five, six years back. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. He's the new prototypical uh, 
quarterback of the future. He's going to redefine the position. And now it's those Chiefs. They're they're winning too much. Other 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 uh, every talk show host in the last two weeks since they won the Super Bowl won their third, and now we're in position to do something that no one else has ever done: is do a three-peat in the NFL, a three-peat with Super Bowls. They're the villains. Oh, I hate I hate K, K, uh, I hate Kansas City. I hate them. I hate them. Y- you hate them because they're winning. You hate them because they're winning, and now you're diminishing. Well, it really was the defense that carried them. Well, the defense didn't score the go-ahead touchdown. Did the defense help put them in position? Of course they did. Me and my friends, we debated for over a decade who was the uh, responsible for the dynasty that was the Patriots. They're debating it right now. There's a great show on Apple, The Dynasty. You should watch it. Um, Tom Brady came on the scene uh, basically stamping out the greatest show on turf, my 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 St. Louis Rams, my Rams that I, I've loved my entire life. So he was definitely, he definitely got my attention. He was on my radar and I resented him for so long. Deflate gate, spy gate. They always had some gate. And I had convinced myself that it was Bill Belichick and his schemes, his defenses definitely contributed. But any idea that I had that took away from Tom Brady's own fierce competitiveness and his ability to sling that, that ball, uh, I could no longer ho- just hold that. He, he overcame me. He overcame me. Uh, when he broke away from Belichick and proved that he could do it on his own. A lot of the times, that's what it is. And I'm going to leave, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you with this. You hear a lot about She-Hulk. Then in the late 80s, she started breaking the fourth wall. She tried mimicking what had already been done with this incredible Keith Giffen uh, creation, Ambush Bug, what had been done with, uh, with, with too much success. Uh, Howard the Duck, when he was a super hot fan favorite character from Marvel in the 70s. And... What Superman and Batman had routinely done, looking towards the camera, breaking the fourth wall in their earliest, you know, incarnations in the 60s, 50s. She-Hulk didn't break the fourth wall in her first incarnation. Jessica Walters just became that incredible green She-Hulk. And she was great. I bought every issue. I never missed it. I loved her. There was a period I preferred her to the Incredible Hulk. But she was tall, she was strong, she was dynamic, she joined the Avengers, she joined the Fantastic Four. I loved her in, in both roles, but not until John Byrne had her turn towards us and break the fourth wall did she apply that basically to her kind of her repertoire. It was almost a decade after she had been introduced by Stan Lee and John Buscema. And I've covered how She-Hulk's origin is mired in the idea that with Hollywood starting to make versions make make adaptations of the marvel characters they didn't want to one day wake up and decide that hulk as portrayed by lou frignal and 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 bruce banner bruce david david bruce banner by bill bixby they didn't want to then um have them have a cousin or a or a sister who became a female show a female hulk and have cbs say hey we own this in the same way because they'd seen the writing on the wall because a six million dollar man uh gave way to the bionic woman who then gave way to her own hit separate series so they were starting as 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 they were making TV movies of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and Hulk and Captain America. Stan wanted to get a female She-Hulk out there before they did. They wanted to get a female Spider-Woman out there, Spider-Man, and and introduce Jessica. Uh, is it Jessica Drew as as uh, as Spider-Woman? But She-Hulk, she can break the fourth wall or she can't. I don't care. I like her as She-Hulk as she was introduced to me in 1978, 1979. That's when She-Hulk happened. That's when She-Hulk was She-Hulk. 
the fact that she broke the fourth wall, that she started talking directly to you, uh, didn't didn't really weigh on my uh, whether I liked the character or not. I immediately understood that that book had become a parody comic. It was no longer a serious comic. It had become a humor comic, a parody book, which is what mostly happens with the fourth wall breaking stuff uh, when it's not carefully contained. Uh, but She-Hulk was still She-Hulk when She-Hulk happened, when Stan Lee and John Buscema introduced her, and she went on that multi-year early run in, in the 70s to the beginning of the 80s. When is a character? A character is largely when they first appear. And you'll find that that bears out no matter what the appearance, no matter how you've encountered or experienced that character. Uh, you can give Punisher all the motivations and all the backstory in the world. He's still a guy who, uh, who is shooting other criminals, meeting out his own brand of punishment, hence the Punisher. Like I said earlier, I, I could go on and on about Spider-Man too. You can give me all the different Spider-Man you want. It's the original one from Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. That's Spider-Man and always has been. Hey, we're going double size with this, which means we're going two parts. We're going two, two, two separate episodes. So we're going to lay the groundwork for the X-Men animated series uh, as we discuss in our next, in the, in the second chapter of our 350th episode extravaganza. We're going to discuss in greater detail the great adaptations they did, especially in that first season, Days of Future Past, incorporating new characters, but still making a really satisfying rendition of the most famous, most celebrated X-Men storyline and how they uh, approached why which characters appeared and how they began to formulate the, for- the, 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 the following series, uh, the following seasons, excuse me, following seasons. The book is called X-Men, The Making of the Animated Series. And it's by Eric and Julia LeWald. I highly recommend that you pick it up. It will be our go-to as we go pivot to our next installment in our 350th extravaganza, broken up into two parts for you, by you, and I thank you. And you know, uh, as we do at the end of each and every episode, and since this is breaking off into two, it is uh, the end of this particular chapter of our 350th uh, extravaganza. I want to share with you some of the incredible reviews that you continue to leave for this show. When I tell you that I'm floored, I mean it. I can't believe how incredibly generous uh, that you all have been. And, and, and this, I love the international reviews. I absolutely love the international reviews. They, 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 make, they, they, they give me the biggest smile. This one is from Define the Line. Uh, He uh, writes from Canada, best podcast, best podcast out. I've listened to every episode three or four times. I'm so glad he keeps coming back with new seasons. I love all the behind the scenes stories and the fire and the passion that Rob has keeps me coming back for more. Definitely has reignited my love of comics and sent me, sent me tumbling all the way down the rabbit hole. Thank you. Define the line. Thank you for listening to Rob's observations. Thanks for carrying me. 350 episodes. I am so thrilled, so excited. And as you can see, it doesn't take a whole lot to get me fired up. And baby, I can talk and I can bring history and I can bring context because I was there and I love that you care and I love to share. Thank you. Thank you so very much. When you send reviews in for my podcast, especially if they land on the Apple platform, I will read them. 
uh, on, on the show. They help us so much stand out. They give us an extra profile. They boost our awareness. And I am so thankful that you take your time out with those keyboards and you type in your particular brand of, uh, of support for this show in, 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 the, uh, in the form of these reviews. Thank you. Thank you. And again, thank you. When you are not catching me on this podcast, please follow me on all my different social media platforms. I am on Twitter at Robert Liefeld, Twitter slash X at Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D at Robert Liefeld. Got a blue check signifies it's really meal. I'm verified. It's really me. <laughs> sounds like it's, it sounds like I said, it's really meal. It's really meal time. It's really me. I'm verified. That's who you're talking to. I read your responses, your replies, your DMs, your mentions. Thank you for hanging out with me, talking with me. I share a lot of news, opinions, and the best part is back and forth with you all on that incredible platform, which I enjoy so much. I hear people gripe about all the time, but it does right by me each and every time. And I don't have a political agenda. I'm just out there trying to share entertainment, be entertained, and and have fun with y'all. And 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 that is why I'm on Twitter at Robert Liefeld Blue Check. Look for me, follow me. I can't wait to talk to you. Over on Instagram, I'm at Rob Liefeld. I got the Rob Liefeld handle. It's got another blue check. It's verified. Uh, tells you it's really me. It's my photo uh, kind of diary of my life, what I'm drawing, what I'm eating, who I'm hanging out with, my family, uh, the passions of my life. I share them there. I may give you a drawing of a page, a panel, a project. I may announce something there, but I definitely hope that you will follow me on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. I'm loading up stories, posts almost every day. Thank you for interacting with me. Again, I read your replies, your mentions. Uh, your DMs, all the ways that you reach out in contact with me. I've talked to so many of you uh, on Instagram as well as I do over on uh, X slash formerly known as Twitter. So at Rob Liefeld on Instagram, at Robert Liefeld on X slash Twitter. Look for you both there. We have a group on Facebook, the granddaddy for me of all the social media, Facebook. We have a group. It's called Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. I moderate and administrate that board myself, along with my buddy, Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. We will be the ones who click you through, uh, probably approve your posts. Terry's a great guy. He runs these incredible art contests. We have so many talented people in the group. Uh, There's always art contests going on on the regular every week Uh, via polls. We vote and and decide, you know, which which, which art... um, uh, you know, appeals the most. It's it's great. You should be a part of it. So many of the conversations that we start here continue there in in a deeper, more long form manner. Uh, we have great discussions over there. Great energy, great vibes. If you want to join us, Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond, we'd love to have you. And again, I preview art, uh, talk about uh, past uh, stories. Again, it really is an, an an extension of this show in many in many forms. So, Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. Look forward to seeing you there. I am on this kick-ass app called Whatnot. Uh, Whatnot is the number one number one collectible app. Uh, and 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 if you want sneakers, jerseys, playing cards, uh, role-playing stuff, uh, Funkos, toys, action figures, obviously comic books. I am in the comic book toy uh, Funko Pop categories. Normally, I have signed exclusive variant covers and a comic book that is now exclusive that you can only get through me if you follow me on Whatnot. Rob Liefeld, follow Rob Liefeld, you'll, no, you'll get notifications, you'll be notified when I go live with my shows, which generally go for a couple hours, I am looking right at you the entire time, another kind of what people say as an extension of this show, I am kind of going freeform the entire time, I am sharing with you those extreme 
uh, th- th- those exclusive variant covers, comics. Last Blood is my latest offering. Right now, we are running at an all-time low in terms of availability of those comics. 28 pages, full color, brand new, every panel, every frame. Uh, an extension of my extreme universe, the kind of the end of the extreme universe. I figure if someone's going to end it, I should end it. I should be the author that does that, and I'm doing it. And I hope that you can partake. We'll have new editions available soon. In the meantime, we have all manner of exclusive Deadpool, New Mutants, X-Force variants, Captain America variants that are done only for our whatnot shows and our whatnot uh, followers. And if you want to be a part, follow me on whatnot as Rob Liefeld. Get notified. I will absolutely look forward to you joining us. The community is growing so great. Our um, five-star rating was hard-earned. We get our packages to you in great shape and we get them to you fast. So please be a part of that. Now, in terms of comic books and signatures, nobody does it better than CGC. I have a second booking with them. The Deadpool movie is blowing up. My retailers' friends have said, have told me in the last week, Deadpool has been activated. Well, there is, there is no book that I have signed more and my signature is sought out for more than on the anything Deadpool related especially given Deadpool Wolverine on its way. You want to get these to me before the movie comes out. CGC is open for submissions. The entire, uh, my price is exactly the same on the book as it was last year. Uh, I I went over the price guides. Some of the upgrades are different, but the basic standard CGC signature, we signed thousands and thousands of books in our first outing last fall. I want, so many of you wanted to wait that out, see the results. You've seen them. You, 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 You realize your buddy got a great copy that, that CGC handled the books well. Um, all the special add-ons. The uh, this time we have the 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 Liefeld uh, blood splatter chisel. Find out what that is. The the drop shadow chisel. Um, we have remark opportunities, sketch opportunities. Check that out. Go to CGC. Look up the Rob Liefeld uh, signing opportunity. The in-house uh, signing uh, event that's coming up. Get your books submitted quickly. Make sure you're there early and that they get to me because we're going to close the deadline here uh, you know, real soon, but it's open now, so check it out. Man, so much going on, but still have time to tell you, I hope that you are doing your absolute very best. I am rooting for you, you spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically, all of the aspects of, 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 of your being that need to uh, be in the best possible shape they can, they can be, and I am rooting for you. You know my advice, it's, it's never changed. Get off the grind, take time for yourself, go have a great meal. Um, go have a great dessert, read a book, uh, read a graphic novel, watch a great streaming show, see a movie, spend time with your loved ones, your family, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever, uh, bowling. Hey, I love bowling, bike riding, skateboarding, jogging, walking, whatever it is that gives you that kind of release that can, that that allows you to reset and readdress because life has got burdens each and every day. We're all hurtling over, uh, burdens of the same fashion, or maybe you are really struggling. Maybe there's some terrible uh, news or something going on in you that you're struggling with. Hey, we are we are rooting for you. We are absolutely rooting for you, lifting you up and uh, giving you that fist bump right through uh, the blue Yeti. Mike, let me tell you something. I accompany every one of my burdens with a Reese's Big Cup, the non-sponsored, non-paid for, free advertising that I give my absolute favorite candy indulgence, potato chips, pretzels, cereal now they got caramel everything is inside these big cups you got you got to partake uh you 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 eat one you're going to eat a dozen i know i have i do i i i it's part of my it's part of my getting off the treadmill it's part of my release it's the best 90 seconds of each and every day you guys take care of yourselves that's the bottom line 
please don't leave me hanging. We got a second half of an anniversary celeb- celebration, an extravaganza that we have to, uh, to, to enjoy together. Come back. More X-Men animated series is on the way. Do not leave me hanging here. We will absolutely, inevitably, and most definitely talk again real soon. Thank you.